morning utah <laughs> well, we have a very diverse audience vietnam that's three syllables utah's only two oh. syllables yeah that's a good movie though good morning vietnam i really don't remember seeing it all all i remember is uh what i just said yeah robin williams is a air force radio dj who gets sent to Vietnam, if I'm remembering right, and he's taking over what, what would uh, previously had been like, good morning, today is uh, February 12th, 1968, uh, there will be a mandatory meeting for all personnel at 0800, please be on time, you know, he takes yeah. over for these dry... And he's got comedy. He does to Robin Williams. He's just Robin See, Williams. Most, William, most Robin Williams movies, well, I don't know most, but a lot of these Robin Williams movies, like I'm thinking of this one, Good Morning Vietnam, Mrs. Doubtfire, and uh, Aladdin were all basically just setups for Robin Williams to go right. do his thing. Like uh, Jim Carrey's Liar Liar right. or The Mask. Liar Liar was hilarious. I mean, if you watch the outtakes on that one, the whole thing was pretty much him just ad-libbing and trying to get a reaction out of his uh, fellow actors. Right. <laughs> That'd be hard to film because once the joke's done, if they can't stay in character, they can't use the the uh, material, <laughs> right. the clip. Funny yeah, so, stuff. Yeah, that's uh, Good Morning Vietnam's a good good movie. He, you know, while he's there, he kind of gets first-hand look at the horrors of war ultimately like a lot of movies back then were it was an anti-war movie now the script is flipped on the right. you get a lot of pro-war pro-military pro-missiles movies yeah and pro-intelligence there's a lot of those like, oh how the tables have turned like um uh, jack ryan the series on amazon i think or netflix it's based on it's amazon that. i think based on the Tom Clancy character, Jack Ryan, which... I thought a- it was based on uh, the office character, Jim. <laughs> What's his name? Yeah, Jim, Jim something. It's the same actor. Oh, okay. That's probably why you're confused. I'm confused. But of course, Tom Clancy has dozens of, of books. Oh, yeah. I love the Tom Clancy books. If, <clears throat> although there's a lot of uh, military-esque swearing in those books. But... Uh, Jack Ryan is like the quintessential Cold War American hero. Right. Go, goes from uh, low-level analyst to, or, or professor, to president of the United States of America. Does he become president? Yeah. Through a series of events, yeah. The, the uh, spoiler alert, but in one of the books, and I can't remember exactly, I, I would be guessing here, uh, and spoiling it for you if you want to read those books. In one of the storylines, well, it's, it, there's one big storyline, but I, I want to stop short of saying episodes. But in this particular, at this point in the storyline, uh, 
a disgruntled foreign national flies a jumbo jet into a joint session of Congress, like a state of the union. And Jack Ryan happens to be the only guy that is not at the state of union, state of the union, you know, so this is, uh, the continuity of government plans and they can't have everybody in one place all at the Mm -hmm. same time. And so somebody like a member of cabinet who's in the, in the line of continuity has to be left out. And Jack Ryan ends up becoming president through that mechanism. Cause back in the late eighties or whenever this was written, that was the only way that, that Tom Clancy was able to imagine a possible resetting of the the situation in Washington <laughs> was that both houses of Congress and the executive uh, chain of command was simultaneously wiped out. Wow. <clears throat> that was Tom Clancy. That's not me. So it, Homeland Security, NSA, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm just reporting on... A book that Dead, was Dead of published. Honor, I think, is the, is the book. Yeah, well, it's yeah, a, apparently, the, the story is that Tom Clancy would do like crazy amount of research. He had a military background and he would do a crazy amount of research. So the weaponry was accurate and the. the yeah, I think he verbiage. got a call from those guys, like the Department of Defense or CIA or somebody after Hunt for Red October, which was one of his early books. And still probably one of his best stories. Oh, that's great. The. Um, his, his, he created an, an empire. You know, his books were made, many of his books were made into movies. The books and the movies were made into video games. There's a whole Tom Clancy uh, series of video games, which yeah. are kind of fun, where you play, uh, you know, a special ops type sniper. A hit guy. squad. It's called a hit squad if it's not in, in government. Right. If it's in government, it's called uh, SWAT or special ops. There's one or spec um, ops. that I've played. I played. I've played quite a bit of, and the timing was interesting. I, I, I picked it up after the game had come out. It had been out for a while, but I picked it up in the sp- late spring of, or late winter of 2020, hmm. and we know what happened in the spring of 2020. Well, while I was playing this game that is based on a post-pandemic virus <laughs> world that is sort of uh, destroyed, mm-hmm. I was playing you know i was playing that game during a pandemic with lots of quarantines and it was a little bit weird what's the name of this mo- uh, movie game slash that, documentary that's not a movie that's just a game it's called the division two it's called tom clancy's the division two okay and it's it's actually a pretty fun game you play uh you're a member of a secret hit squad uh, a secret military paramilitary group called the division and you're called into action and uh, the the setting, so there's the division, and then there's the division two. But I've only played the second one. But the setting is in both uh, ruined Washington D.C. and New York City. Okay, so there was a pandemic, and you're out cleaning up. What? Well, you're fighting off fighting r- roving gangs, roving gangs, gangs of uh, you know thugs, and uh, some of uh, some of the gangs are you know led by. Um, uh, traders that you used to work with, right? Members of the division. The storyline's okay, but the gameplay's kind of fun. You shoot people and take their stuff. Yeah, that's well, that you. Yeah, loot, loot the corpses is the way we <laughs> what we call that. So it's literally called. There's a genre, and it's it's 
part of this genre. It's called a looter shooter. A looter shooter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Prescient, pr- uh, premonition, prophetic. So did you read uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six? Mm-hmm. Because this is from the same spec ops type of... Yeah, Rainbow Six kind of was the or- original, I believe, of that yeah, genre. Yeah, Ra- Rainbow Six was a special <laughs> hit squad. Rainbow Six became a video game. But the premise of the movie book slash documentary here is that... I think it was that environmental extremists, yeah, bio, so extreme terrorists, extreme leftist status types, scientists, algorish type of a thing, they invented a disease to kill the world in the name of climate protection, yeah, and cl- cleansing the world. Yeah, I remember. And they let it loose upon the world, and then there was a pandemic, a real one. A real, well, the the book. I'm not going to spoil the book. The question is, can the Rainbow Six special ops team stop them in time before they're able to destroy the world? the The ending of that book was. I remember feeling like that was some some good justice. I don't know if you remember the specifics. I remember the way it ends, <laughs> and we he's actually quite vivid with his uh, descriptions of. Uh, he always is of the uh, the gunfights and stuff. I I liked those books. They they glorify the U.S. Op, um, intelligence. The U.S. Yeah, apparatuses, the intelligence apparatus, and the military industrial machine. They definitely glorified it. It's definitely Cold War propaganda, if you want to look at it that way. I don't know if Tom Clancy. I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure, but it appears to me that. He wasn't part of the apparatus at first, but he certainly got their backing. Yeah, I, I would imagine that, like a lot of things in American pop culture, that there was government influence and money involved. I mean, I'm speculating here, but... I think after he got going, it's right. like, hey, this is really good. Do another one. Do another one, except in this case, make sure you make the bad guys brown <laughs> and make the good guys white and wearing American flags. and But they are, on their surface, they're fun kind of popcorn novels. Mystery, mystery, you know, mystery combined with uh, espionage. They're kind of James, they're like American James Bond. Jack Ryan's not quite a James Bond. He's, he's more a, he's an analyst for the CIA. I'm an analyst. <laughs> I can't go to the Middle East. I'm an analyst. Yeah. But right, he's sort of uh, he's he's the not quite an antihero, but a reluctant. Um, you know, he he always seems to get roped into something like, "Oh, I'm just going to a meeting at the White House. What could possibly go wrong?" <laughs> and of course, everything goes wrong. But right. played by people like Alec Baldwin, Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford was the best Jack Ryan, I thought. And then uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck did it, and then Chris Pike. Or uh, Pine, what's his name? The guy that does uh, Kirk in Star- the new Star Treks. Something like that. I don't even remember his Jack Ryan. What was he, Jack Ryan? He was in, uh, I think they called it Shadow Recruit or something. This was, a, this was like a spinoff. It wasn't one of the actual books put to movie. Because uh, Ben Affleck played jack ryan in some of all fears yeah, i remember that one and you've got i think three harrison fords clear and present danger patriot games and 
shoot, was there another one? Probably. <laughs> Why am I not remembering? Then they had one with uh, a black dude as jo- uh, John Clark without remorse, which was I think was an Amazon one recently. Maybe uh, this, uh, according to this, says that Harrison Ford was going to play Jack Ryan a third time, but in mid-2000, it was announced that he stepped down because he was unhappy with the scripts he had received. The role was offered to Ben Affleck, and the sum of all fears, co-stars Morgan Freeman, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, John Krasinski is the current or most recent current Jack, Jack Ryan, Ryan. <clears throat> in the series called Jack Ryan. Which is a very pro uh, pro CIA analyst series, but I, I watched two seasons of that. I don't know if there's more. I like the first one better than the second season. Yep. 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 But anyway, how's it going, Jordan Bruno? Pretty well, Bobby Flood. Uh, today's Monday, May ninth, two thousand twenty-two. Lots happened since we last recorded. It was a busy week. It's uh, we got. Up to 19 comments. I think that's what you're referring to. We are at 19. Flurry, flurry of comments on I episode almost, 72. I almost left a comment last night that just said 20. <laughs> but we can't. That You can't do that. You're, a, you're an owner-operator of the Mind Virus show. That would invalidate the whole thing. It doesn't really invalidate when owner-operators pump and dump their own stocks. I th- thought that there was like some special contest rules uh, the 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 F- I didn't, FCC I, or somebody would I come never, after us. Like I never wrote any. Are we planning to give this T-shirt to one of our family members? None none of none of mine have commented. What if Bobby, what if Bobby Flood were to win the contest? What if you commented and were to win the contest? I think our listeners would cry foul. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, full disclosure. I know we've only said we're going to make one T-shirt, but I I had planned on at least making enough for me and you. I think we should make one that says uh, whatever snarky comment we want to make and then and let's not do The Atlantic. Right. I don't want to promote The I don't Atlantic. want to promote the magazine, not The Ocean. Right. The if Ocean, we made, if we made not one, The Magazine, I'll promote. Yeah. We, if we were to make a t-shirt that said Atlantic, it would say, it would say The Atlantic Ocean, period. Probably with the word period spelled out so that everyone that saw it <laughs> that knew what it was would know that we were dissing Ripping on, busting on the Atlantic magazine. Do you know who owns the Atlantic? Uh, it's some oligarch. Some who it's, is it? It's the wife, the the wife of the late Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. So, so somebody who somebody from the left coast, which is good because we we can't have our communication outlets owned by billionaires. Right, just billionaires' wives. Yeah, or billionaires if it's Jeff Bezos. Well, but he's the right kind of billionaire. Right. <laughs> okay, anyway, moving on. But the big news this week is, is of course, our 19 comments on the podcast. And right. the, that turns out headlines at the Atlantic. Slightly less, slightly less uh, earth-shattering. Do you want to break the news here? Slightly less earth-shattering sh- shattering. than that we're going to get 20 comments. Than our comments. Uh, and had this come out the day we did the podcast, we would have been talking about it. Are you referring to the, the dangerous roads in Utah? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, Sp- Spencer, Co- uh, Spencer Cox, Lieutenant Governor, Deidre 
Hendrickson Henderson was given an honorary degree. Is that no, what you're talking? No. Okay. No. Oh, Fauci was given an honorary no, Doctor no. of Science from no. the University of Michigan. That okay. one. No, no, no. This leaked. This this was a story that hit all of the papers simultaneously, oh, right. almost late in the night. The Moderna and the J and J vaccines both got severely penalized or pulled or limited because of blood clots. That one. Keep trying. Oh gosh. Um. Are you talking about that? The abortion story? Yeah, there you go. Oh, <laughs> I don't read like deep into the papers. You, you, yeah. Right. Obviously, I'm being facetious. Facetious. Uh, massive leak. Wrote the, the Supreme Court. I had forgotten that the Supreme Court was still reviewing, operating. <laughs> well, well, I knew they were operating. I knew they were busy throwing out cases. But the I had forgotten that the Roe v. Wade was under review, I guess, so you could call it that. And the decision um, was leaked. A, a draft version of the decision, which, if accurate and if it sticks, would overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, l- listen to me, listeners. If you're hearing about this first, first of all, if you don't know what Roe versus Wade is, okay, I, don't, I guess I don't even have any comment on that, but... If you're hearing about this leaked draft opinion first from us while you are living in a cave, please contact me personally and help me to understand how I can become as I would like insulated to, and, and free and, and uh, removed from the... the um, I would like to buy your cave. <laughs> please let us know how, to, how you're accomplishing this. But anyway, keep going. Roe versus Wade was, of course, 1973... Which legalized abortion in all 50 states. Well, what it, what it did was it basically claimed that it was a constitutional right. Kind of. Kind of. But it legalized it in all 50 states. Kind of similar to, I don't know what the name of it is, but, you know, 10, 12 years ago, states were, states had same-sex marriage on the ballots, right? And different states, including California, were banning same-sex marriage, and then the... By constitutional amendments in their states. Right. And then the federal government stepped in and said, nope, it's legal everywhere. So that's kind of kind of somewhat similar, I think. But anyway, the, the courts were reviewing Roe v. Wade, the, the Supreme Court was, is, and based on the leaked decision, decided to overturn it. Now, what does that mean? Well, all it means is that the constitutional amendment, which I believe is the 10th Amendment, would take effect, right? That the powers not specifically given to the federal entity would be reserved to the states and then the people. Right. So it, that's it, a it, that's an amendment that con- is essentially defunct. Right. Contrary to what you might be hearing on the news or from your uh, blue-haired neighbors or something, this does not ban abortion. This would not. This overturning of Roe v. v. Wade would not ban abortion. Nor is it, as I have seen forced mandated pregnancy I, i'm not sure how that really works but it's uh, it bans birth control well it re- there's requi- been even requires the, interaction the president of the united states has has made leaps and bounds of hyperbole on this he's saying that this is the first step to banning gay kids from school and things like that and yeah there was a collective uh just spasm from 
from mostly the left on this. On this. Millions of voices cried out it into into space <laughs> and were immediately silenced. No, they weren't. They definitely weren't immediately silenced. But all this would do would 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 it would give states the right, which they already possess, should already possess, to make their own decisions on abortion. Mm-hmm. And yes, there'd be states that would ban abortion. I think that's where people are like, it's mandated pregnancy. Well, I think they would ban it. Like, or are there any sta- are there any states that that ban all forms of abortion, or are the cases of rape and incest still considered pretty much everywhere uh, universally I, I don't, good enough reason to go <clears throat> ahead and do it? I don't know, but if the if you believe the current data, like it's less than one percent of abortions are occur because of those issues. Ninety of course, plus but that, percent, but you know, the, lo- of, the the political right. Right. Rationale is that rape and incest have always been considered right. reasons that you I might think, do that. I think what you would probably see, or what we'll probably see if this goes through, is... is A pro- lot more rapes? <laughs> probably, Claims of probably rape? Probably not. What you would see is, is abortion heavily, heavily restricted to that kind of situation. Except in places like California, where it would be right, where it would right. Be, I'm talking about I'm talking about where you where you might see it quote unquote banned. But there would be states that are there are already governors like I think New York and um, California saying we support women. You you can always get out an abortion here. And uh, I think uh, I think that a friend of mine uh, was postulating that there that in those states that it would become. If, if if the Supreme Court's not regulating it and Congress is not regulating it, then essentially in California, you could abort the baby 21 days after birth. Well, I was going to say you should be able to just abort it up to three years after birth, kind of a send it back, do over. Well, yeah, until about three years, you really don't know what you've got. In fact, it's the fourth and fifth year that you finally go, hey, maybe we do want to keep this one. Right. Well, it's when they're brand new, you want to keep them. And then, then you're like, oh, I don't know. And, but then when they turn two, everybody talks about the terrible twos. And, you, and you're like, hold on a second. Have you ever had a three-year-old? Because yeah. three-year-olds are like essentially malfunctioning, short-circuited biological ha- uh, mashups. Uh, what, are, what are they? They're like these little destructo bots. Did you ever see the movie Gremlins? That's kind of what I was thinking, right there. The three-year-olds got water That's, on them. Yeah. Three-year-olds just, I mean, it's like take a two-year-old and multiply it by a million. <laughs> they, they start talking, and, they, and they, you think that they, this is the craziest thing. You think you're getting through to them. They'll nod their heads at you. They'll smile at you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Just assume if you have a three-year-old and, and four-year-old, you know. Four-year-olds, the thing with four-year-olds is they're, they're, I think their, work, their minds are working better but they have a very short attention span and a very short memory. So if they've, if you take too long to intervene, like they did something wrong and, and you try to have a talking to them a minute later, it's like, it's pointless because they can't remember that they did anything wrong. They're just going to remember the talking to if you really tra- traumatize them, right? What are you talking it's, about? Kids or members of Congress? Oh, well, both. <laughs> but, uh, Three-year-olds just, uh, yeah. All bets are off. <clears throat> lock everything up. So we should be able to have abortions up to three years old. That's what you just said. Yeah, I, I think I see the logic in that. 
<laughs> Maybe we should do something like they did in Demolition Man, where they just put them on ice. <laughs> remember that, Sylvester Stallone? I don't remember that. Isn't that uh, Wesley Snipes in that movie, too? Remember him? Yeah, he's, the ba- he's like this really bad, bad guy. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw it. But hey, uh, obviously we're in- injecting some dark humor into this. Uh, I, I, people, I, I've said this before, people kind of don't take it seriously when I tweet it out or say it in p- pleasant company, but we're living through a massive child sacrifice. I think the, uh, the COVID pandemic emphasized my point, but there's been, uh, in the United States, since Roe in 1973, there's been 63 million abortions, give or take, in the United States. These all would have become Republican voters. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Had never lived. Now I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I've I've wondered often. I've speculated in my own, uh, in the depths of my own brain, what happens to those spirits, the the spirits of those children. Do they get a do over? They're like, hey, hey, <laughs> I was gonna use that. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was just coming out. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. And uh, but I think that. I think that societies that disregard the the young like this is uh, ripe ripe for destruction. And I don't really want to be in the room when God asks us about abortion. Um, uh, that was a really interesting comment. I don't want to be in the room. The question is, can you avoid being on the earth when God asks <laughs> us about abortion? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, probably. There was, there, was an epi- there was a couple of episodes towards the end of the Book of Mormon that are really, I think, close to... to they're, they're sort of analogous here. You have Mormon chapter 3, um, where... It's, it's chapter 3 and 4, I can't remember. Mormon is explaining that uh, the Lamanites are sacrificing the Nephites to their idols, right? So sacrificing people to idols. If you, did you ever see the movie? Um, Apocalypto? Apocalypto, yeah. Did yes, you ever I, see that? I did see that. I, I think I've only it, seen part of it. I, I was really looking forward to that movie because I had been involved with some Meso, Mel Gibson, right? Mesoamerican stuff right before then and right during that. I was a little disappointed though in the movie, but... Uh, Yes, I've it's seen It's essentially it. just like a, a thriller horror movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. It wasn't like intriguing, esoteric or anything at all. They were going to take, no. they're going to rip the guy's heart out and he He escapes. runs. Yeah, we're going to. Then, and then that's the movie. Yeah. But I, I thought the production value was really nice. Uh, he, I think he did a great job of, you know, uh, depicting that those ancient cultures at a, uh, you know, during their zenith or their prime, and I, I've always loved, I've always loved kind of that Mesoamerican lore and culture, and I've spent some time down in in the Yucatan and in Guatemala. It's a really cool, some really cool places down there uh, for Book of Mormon reasons. Book of Mormon, and uh, just I just think it's cool. You're not a a, a proponent of the Heartland theory. Do you like that? <clears throat> you, ever, you ever been out to the mounds? You ever been into Cahokia out of East St. Louis? We're gonna we're I'm we're gonna alienate some people 
if I answer this question, I'm going to alienate some people. But no, I, I, I am more of a Mesoamericanist in that, oh, okay. in that regard. Well, I know, I know how strong people feel about this stuff. Now, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be one or the other either. I think that it's possible that, it, that both could be true. Maybe mm-hmm. not simultaneously. I mean, remember, Moroni wandered for a long time. 30 years is, a, is a long enough to walk from Mexico City to Palmyra, New York. So uh, that, that could be an interesting discussion but I sometime. Think, yeah, and, there, and, there, and I could go into... Mormons only. No, no non-Mormons should be listening to that <laughs> podcast if we talk about the Book of Mormon uh, stuff. Anyway theories of where where it existed no i think I, I think there's good evidence though there was a much bigger civilization of uh potential lamanites here upon the american north american continent cahokia mound at uh st louis is bigger at the base than the great pyramid at giza so there's there's evidence of uh earthworks uh do we want to get large civilization do you want to get in this a little or or do we want to just Pin it for another day. I don't know, listeners. Pin it. <laughs> I think they want us to pin it. Okay. I derailed you, but you asked if I'd seen the movie Apocalypto. No, Mezzo, just, this sounds like something you're interested in. Well, finish your point about Apocalypto and Mormon 3. Okay, then maybe we'll talk about the, the theories. Uh, just Mormon chapter 4 it came to pass in the 360 and 7th year, the Nephites being angry because the Lamanites had sacrificed their women and their children, that they did go against the Lamanites with exceedingly great anger. So this is war, anger, angry war, right? In so much that they did beat again the Lamanites and drive them out of their lands. And the Lamanites did not come again against the Nephites until the 370 and 5th year. And in this year, they did come down against the, Leman- the Nephites with all their powers. <laughs> and they were not numbered because of the greatness of their number. And from this time forth, they did, the Nephites did gain no more power over the Lamanites, but began to be swept off by them, even as a dew before the sun. I think that that metaphor there is really <laughs> significant. If you can imagine a war occurring where one, one side of the war is swept off of the earth as the dew before the sun. Anyway, they continued to sacrifice the, the Nephites to their idols. But where it gets really interesting is in Moroni chapter 9. And this is where the abortion analog, I think, comes in because we don't know what's happening to these kids. Some of them being, are being sold for body parts. There's speculation of abuse and other things going on. But uh, chapter 9, verse uh, 7, Mormon is lamenting to his son Moroni in a letter some of the abuses that his people perpetrated against the, the Lamanites. And, you, you know, why, why were the Lamanites so upset that they swept the Nephites off the land like do before the sun? Well, here he says... Um, according to the knowledge I have received from Amaron, behold, the Lamanites have many prisoners, which prisoners, which they took from the tower of Sherizah, and there were men, women, and children. Where did you say this was? This is Mormon, Moroni chapter nine. Oh, Moroni. Okay. Hold on a second. This is the, this is the Lamanites doing this again.
Oh, this talks about both the Lamanites and the Nephites. So he says, he says, the Lamanites have many prisoners which they took from the tower of Sherizah, and there were men, women, and children, and the husbands and the fathers of those women and children they, they have slain, and they feed the women upon the flesh of their husbands and the children upon the flesh of their fathers, and no water save a little do they give unto them. So they're, you know, f- that's pretty graphic evil. And... um. No, read nine. Notwithstanding this great abomination of the Lamanites, it doth not exceed that of our people in Moriantum. For behold, many of the daughters of the Lamanites have they taken prisoner. We don't know how old or young these people are, but based on some of the child abuse going on that's speculated these days, human trafficking, this this is interesting. It says, after depriving them of that which was most dear and precious above all things, which is chastity and virtue. And after they had done this thing, they did murder them in a most cruel manner, torturing their bodies even unto death. And after they have done this, they devour their flesh flesh like unto wild beasts. And then he says this, O my beloved son, how can a people like this that are without civilization... And only a few years have passed, and they were a civil and delightsome people. Oh, my son, how can a people like this, whose delight is in so much abomination, how can we expect that God will stay his hand in judgment against us? Now, remember, Mormon wasn't participating in this, but he asks the question. And that's that verse, chapter 14, is what I want to ask America. Oh, my, my friends. How can a people like this, whose delight is in so much abomination, well, can, how can we expect that God will stay his hand in judgment against us? I saw, I, there's been some protesters outside the homes of some, some cr- Supreme Court justices, and one of their posters answered that question, and I'm going to censor myself a little because this is a family program, but the poster said, bleep your God. And I think that's their answer to that, which is one of the reasons I say again, I don't want to be in the room. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't even if you want to be nearby. I don't think know if you want to be on the continent. The one thing that's interesting in this whole discussion is, uh, turns out the European nations, which are supposedly far more liberal, they have more more strict laws against abortions than than Americans. Yeah, I think the United States has some of the most. Loose lax abortion policies of anywhere in the world. See, it's not the same in every state, right? This the Supreme Court basically ruled that it could not that the right could not be. I don't want to say it that way. The right to murder your kid—that's not a right. Okay, that's not a right at all. Abortion but, is not a right. But the, the they called it a right, and they said that they they basically said that the states can't restrict it uh, beyond a certain point or that they, they had to allow it up to a certain point, I think is right. the way it works. But some states allow more um, egregious forms of it, like partial birth abortion, which we're learning turns out to be potentially right after the kid is born in it, some uh, states, like Virginia yeah, I mean, talked about that. California's talked about that. We don't know exactly what's going on, do we, Bobby? Do we need to do more research on this? No, we don't know exactly what's going on, and I think that's by design. I, don't, I think if we knew the true horrors of this, I mean, it's... Well, that's where guys like uh, Adam O'Keefe, Project Veritas, has gone around uh, Wait, let's taking... That, that's not... It's O'Keefe. What's his first name? It's not, it's not Adam. It's... Um, is it Adam? I'll look it up. It doesn't sound right. But anyway, yeah. 
Project Veritas has done a great job with exposing James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe. Is that it? That sounds right. But he he did some stuff with Planned Parenthood, right? Yeah. What's interesting? Well, he caught him negotiating the sale of body parts. What's, what's interesting about the work that he does and his group does is that he he's dropped some big bombshells in various areas. You know, stuff like body parts being sold at Planned Parenthood or some of the stuff with CNN, and nothing happens. Nothing happens because it's James O'Keefe. Because he, the people that he exposes are protected. They're part of the regime. They're part of the propaganda apparatus, and they get protection from from this kind of stuff. I mean, there's stuff that's out in the open that you'd think would destroy a, a network news station, for example, but it doesn't happen. What about the Hunter Biden laptop? <laughs> right, <laughs> the Hunter Biden laptop Wait, should have taken down have a taken lot down of different everybody. Things. There was a, there was a, it's how you uh, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little there lie. There was a, a story on Zero Hedge that the, the <clears> guy that he, the, the computer repairman that ran the shop that has been run out of business, by the way. He's written a book, right? He's written a book. But the, the, I can't even repeat it, but the, the salacious nature of the interaction with Hunter Biden is, <laughs> yeah, that he, he recounts is just off the charts. So what you have is, Part of the country Hunter came in there and was was in drunk or high or both, right? If I understand right, just his password. His password was ridiculous. It's like <laughs> I'm going to link to this, but you know, viewer discretion be advised. But look, the things that were going on, like the the pictures. There's there's so many pictures circulating of Hunter Biden with prostitutes. We're talking about him naked, them naked. Yeah. This is the the son of a sitting president of the United States and a former vice president. Well, who who not just as a son, because you know what, sons sometimes fall off the rails, right? But at the time, he was managing multi-million dollar deals, business transactions. He probably still is. That his dad and others were involved in. Even, Even, let's imagine a world where even if all of those deals were square right on the up and up this is still a guy who's managing a lot of important things a lot of money a lot of a lot of capital and and this is the way he's doing it these horrendously organized laptops which mixed business and pleasure in in just the this guy describes it just as being an absolute disaster supposedly he lost one to russian operatives or something i'm sure he did he yeah. lost one at a, they, and, he, and they were claiming that the russians have dirt on donald trump which w- w- when you see stories come out of the press you have to assume the exact opposite they right they say you're lying when they're lying and then that that's 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 such a great um evil way to operate it's so effective because if somebody calls you a liar and all you've got back is no you're lying yeah it just it doesn't play very well in the media. Well, and you've got, you've got, you know, uh, I don't know, 200 intelligence agency people signing on to the authenticity, or I should flip that, the, saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation, the authenticity of the Steele dossier, dossier, or, but basically what, you have, what we have is a Tom Clancy story. It's a Tom Clancy novel, except that the bad guys are, are running the government. Are the guys running the government, which he does touch on sometimes. In some of his stories, 
some of the bad guys are in the government. I'm thinking of the line in uh, clear. I think it's clear in present danger where Jack Ryan's colleague is is Jack Ryan's getting ready to testify in front of Congress, and his colleague, who's kind of in on on it, says, "What does he say? You better become accustomed to the phrase." I do not recall, Mister Senator. Right. This is like this that. is Ritter. Yeah. When he's like, yeah. do you have a get out of jail free card? Right. And he's got his permission from uh, Cutter, the White House Chief of Staff. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, what we essentially have here is is a, like a, a Tom Clancy story with the the Hunter Biden thing. It has all the intrigue and espionage and salacious nature and except it's the real world and it has some pretty significant consequences i think uh the war in ukraine is is part of that speaking of let's it's been this last week there's been a bunch of celebrities and politicians including jill biden the wife of the president uh bono you know from u2 um and others have gone to ukraine are in Ukraine currently or recently. So the war's not happening anymore? Well, that's the question, right? Like, why are they there? Isn't it super dangerous to just land in Kiev and walk across a runway, like, in high heels? Seems like that's what... I mean, uh, I know Hillary had to dodge sniper fire, but... It's what the press has been saying. Bono, there's a video of Bono and The Edge, who is the, the kind of his right-hand man in U2, but it was only those two, so it wasn't U2, I guess. It wasn't complete U2, but they're in a subway somewhere in Ukraine, apparently, performing like street artists. It seems to me that a subway system in a war zone would be a very vulnerable place to be, but there they are. It's all so strange. <laughs> It's all so strange. You had a meeting with Zelensky and George W. Bush that was highly publicized, you know, a Zoom meeting. I don't know what they talked about. I didn't really dig into it, but it's all so strange to me. Yeah, I, we're living in a, a very strange post-apocalyptic B-movie or something like that. It's weird. And I think combined with the uh, Roe v. Wade the news... All of this stuff, it just adds up to what we've been talking about for a long time. Just confusion, anger, unrest. I think we're going to see, you know, it's uh, today's May 9th. I think I mentioned that. We're entering into riot season. The weather's going to get better. We're going into summertime. I think we're going to see a summer of mostly peaceful but fiery protests. Again, it's an election year. Let's not forget, it's a midterm election year. And I think it's going to be an interesting, if uh, not depressing, maybe dangerous summertime, especially if you live in a big coastal city. So let's ask the who, why, and why now question on the Roe v. Wade thing, because that is the biggest news that's hit in a long time, I think. I, I liken it to the equivalent of, on the statist side of things, it's like, it's equivalent to the re revocation of the Second Amendment for the freedom lovers. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's crazy about it. If you're a freedom lover and you like, you know, America and 
Amer- the American ethos and what we're all about and self-sufficiency and taking care of yourself and stuff, the right to bear arms, which shall not be infringed. It's similar to like Congress shall make no law, right? Yeah, but that- rules are different than laws. <laughs> they can make rules. Right. I disagree. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a little crazy, but for some reason that's, that carries the same type of energy. The, the idea that you should have the right to kill your unborn child well, and like it's I the said, same as being able to protect yourself. And like I said earlier, like the, the unhinged hyperbole being spouted around about this, it's, it's a little bit like, see, there's a really good, there's a really effective uh, way to torpedo a, a bill, all right, or a, a ballot measure. We saw it here locally, right? Um, which I won't go into detail, but we've seen it here locally. But what they do is that the bill says one thing, right? Like uh, the Florida don't say gay bill is a great example of this, right? I just call it the don't say gay bill. The parental rights bill. Every one of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even though nothing in the bill has anything to do with saying or not saying the word gay. But that's how it was presented, right? Right. So people will vote on it or or uh, decide to support it or not support it based on that. Well, you have this happening with this Roe v. Wade overturning. As I mentioned, people are now saying that pregnancy will be mandated. People will be forced into having babies. You have uh, uh, people saying that, that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, people will die. <laughs> uh, uh, right, just suss that out in your mind. I've also seen posters and things that say that abortion saves lives. Right, right. I've seen that. I mean, I think it saves people from having to take care of lives. Well, as if there's no adoption industry in America, no adoption mechanisms. Well, and it's they're just separated themselves from it so much that it, it's not the snuffing out of a of a life to them. It's it's all about themselves. It's the most selfish thing I've ever seen in my life, but we probably don't need to go down that road much farther. But what you're seeing here is, is this, this, this uh, uh, strategy or tactic of making the bill into something that it's not, like saying it's going to ban abortion. It's not even a bill. All it is is right. Re- re- right. Over- overturning a Supreme Court decision. Right. But- the overturning of the decision has repercussions, meaning that states can then do what they used to do, right? Because this, the Supreme Law, Court of the Land has not created a a legal is, injunction or framework that works against their desires. Which is something, if you actually read the leaked decision, it's it's I think it's based on really sound, good law, good logic. Mm-hmm. I, I read it, and from <laughs> as much as I understood. These things are always written in strange legalese. They can't, I don't know why they can't just speak in normal English terms. But let's remind ourselves that there was a there was a man I think in the eighties or nineties who supported the overturning of Roe v. v. Wade. I can't remember what happened to him in his career, but I think his name was Joe Biden. There was another Supreme Court justice who also supported the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I think her name was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I don't remember. Hmm. The point being is that 
over the years, people have recognized that it's a bad law. It's a bad policy. It's not even a law so much. I, I guess it kind of is. But It's like in 73, they were reaching for a, some way to put some sort of federal thumb on that particular issue, uh, right. Re- reproduction or right. unborn children. <clears throat> so the who, why, what, now, what, how... Well, that's the let's question. The why who. did they? Why did they leak it? Do you think that? because well, ostensibly, ostensibly, okay, who? Let's start well, with who. You said I'm why? Ta- did, I'm doing why. You said why did they leak it? Who's they? Who leaked it? Where did this come from? Well, it either came from a, a justice or a clerk, right? Yeah, I think I saw something that there's only like thirty something people that would have had access to it. Yeah. I saw an interesting thread on Twitter about who the leaker could be. Sotomayor? No. Do you want me to go there? Do we go want to ahead. go there? You t- speculate. <clears throat> Why not? It's let good, me, good, clean, fun to speculate. Let I mean, me, let me pull this up. The, the, the speculation is that it would never be a justice, but I think Kagan or Sotomayor might be suspect here. They, they don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think it was. I, a, I'm not impressed with those people. I don't think it would have been a justice because there's way too. That's way too risky. They're risking their whole career knowing that there, there's probably a pretty good electronic paper trail here. I think. What if they printed it out and dropped it off on somebody's lap? Yeah, that, I mean, well, let's get into this thread if I can find it. Or they could have instructed a clerk to do it. <laughs> While I'm scrolling through Verbally. my... Scrolling through my likes. I've been restored on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, I saw you ran a poll uh, asking people if they agreed with the statement that in, um, was it in exceptional times, we believe all of our natural rights can be restricted reasonably. What was, how does that language go? Um, yeah, in exceptional circumstances, all individual rights may be reasonably restricted, restricted. for a, a time you ran to a, protect the general public. Yeah, you ran a poll, yes or no. What was the general... Well, I didn't get consensus. a ton of traction, but it was nine votes, no, zero votes, yes. Okay, so, so that means if you voted once on your own poll, you have at least eight... I didn't vote on it. it oh, really? Twitter so doesn't give you nine? the option. You can't log in from somewhere else? Well, I could. I could do that. Create a, I, create, I, I'm too so lazy to do that. So there are probably three bots that you created, so six people voted with you. <laughs> <laughs> they might have all been bots. They could I don't have all know. Been bots, yeah. You finding it? Um, I think I. Oh, let's see. I went too far. I'm go, I'm scrolling through my likes. I use likes kind of as a bookmark feature. I think we could figure out a better way for you to be more organized than using Twitter. That's a pretty precarious uh, mechanism for file a, a filing mechanism, a information filing gathering mechanism using your Twitter account? I mean, yeah, because some of the things I like end up disappearing. Well, yeah. Or I get disappeared. Yeah, exactly. It's, By it the way, go offline at any minute. our new favorite person, uh, Nina Yankovic, says there is no deep state. So don't worry, guys, there's no deep state. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I think she's had her 15 minutes of fame and she's done. I don't, I, anytime you spend worrying about her could be time wasted. Yeah, she's a character um, and kind of terrifying too. Sorry, I, I'm not finding this. Maybe it got deleted. <laughs> but this, uh, this guy, this person on Twitter had Summarize a... Summarize for us, Bobby. 
summarize. Well, he'd done a little digging to find, try to find out who might the leaker be and found a clerk. And this was all public information. He didn't, there was no doxing involved. He just, he just, uh, oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. Congratulations. Okay. And I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to refrain from repeating the lady's name because I don't want us to get in trouble. The clerk's name? Right. Maybe I will in a minute. But he says she's currently, so it's a, it's a female. He says she's currently a law clerk for Justice Breyer. And in my humble opinion, I'm quoting this Twitter person, she's the most likely person to have leaked the draft Supreme Court opinion in Dobbs purporting to overturn Roe v. Wade. And he's got a picture of her from LinkedIn. Let's see. It's an actual picture of her LinkedIn like page. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> now, he says, first a disclaimer. I have no inside information. This thread is speculation based almost entirely on publicly available information. I could easily be wrong. Then he says, her academic background isn't that uncommon for Supreme Court clerks. Uh, Yale undergrad, Yale law, and two British master's degree from LSE and Cambridge. Uh, do note the master's degree in gender. Here's where things start to get interesting. And he's got receipts here. He's got pictures. Here's where things start to get interesting. <clears throat> Every law student has to write a note, a long legal research paper, usually making a novel argument about the law. This person wrote hers about reproductive rights and abortion. He's got a little screen grab of it. Specifically, she argued that Obamacare's non-discrimination provision should be interpreted to force Catholic hospitals to perform emergency abortions. Aggressive argument, and hey, law students make aggressive arguments. While in law school, she wrote a New York Times op-ed about reproductive rights, sensing a theme here. And then he uh, links to that op-ed. <clears throat> so again, public information. Her career page on LinkedIn doesn't reveal that much until we start digging a little further. She says, first, thanks to her New York Times wedding announcement, then he writes in parentheses, of course, we know that she clerked for Judge Nina Pillard. Pillard was one of the D.C. Circuit judges appointed by Obama and forced through by Harry Reid blowing up the filibuster. She's stridently pro-choice, perhaps not shocking. After her clerkship, she got a Gruber Fellowship at the ACLU for a full year. What was she working on? You guessed it, abortion and reproductive rights. But none of this proves anything. Yes, her career seems pretty focused on abortion, but without some connection to, uh, but without some connection to the journalist who received the leak, there would be no reason to suspect her. Let's go back to that New York Times wedding announcement. The bride and groom met at Yale. She is a lawyer. He is a journalist. Uh, Person just got hired by the Washington Post as a national political reporter. He's on the Trump beat. But where is he written in the past? Oh, look, he wrote for Politico, sharing a byline. I'm keeping names out of this. Looks like this person and this other person are. Are we going to link to this thread? Uh, sure. It's on Twitter. So 
here's the conclusion. We have a currently serving Supreme Court law clerk whose career has been almost solely focused on abortion. She wrote her law school note on abortion. She wrote op-eds about reproductive rights. She spent a year working on abortion for the ACLU. She clerked for a stridently pro-choice appellate judge. And it just so happens that her husband is a journalist who shared bylines with the Politico reporter who received the leak. Well, that's pretty compelling. Yeah, and he's getting a lot of pushback in the comments. Saying, oh, you're doxing. This is, and it's, I'm, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's just public. He's just connecting public dots. It's what journalists do. Right. You want to text that to me before you forget? Yeah. Then our uh, listeners can go out and speculate themselves. But he does, I, I didn't share any of the names just because, you know, this world that we live in, but he does. And So uh, it sounds like she really doesn't want to carry a baby full term if she ever accidentally slips up. Well, if she, that would be forced pregnancy. Right. She wants to make Ma- sure. Government she can, mandated She wants pregnancy. to make sure she can avoid it at all costs. Of course, she probably lives out on the East Coast, right? So she can. Find a, she, she find a state that's willing probably, to do it with the, 21 days after the baby's born. I mean, she probably lives in the D.C. area, as most of these people do. Yeah. If she's a clerk for a Supreme Court justice, then she probably lives in So she's Virginia just she's just empathetic and worries about other girls that might not want to carry it full term that live in Alabama, Texas, Utah. But that's the who, or a possible who. Right. It's, it's like you said, it's either a justice or a clerk or perhaps a clerk leaking to a husband, leaking to an acquaintance that is a journalist at Politico. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Whether or not that's accurate and that's correct, you know, that turns out to be the leaker, that Twitter thread. It's probably something like that. The scenario is probably something like that. So well, that's the who. One of the interesting things, this is a side note, one of the interesting things that came out over this was like like this, all this discussion about how, oh, the Supreme Court, they've finally fallen to leaks and, and political blah, 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 <laughs> as if they haven't been a political organization for a long time. I right. mean, Justice Roberts, when he decides to call Obamacare attacks, that uh, I speculate they either had blackmail on him or they were going to kill his family or something like that. But uh, Something definitely happened with him. Yeah, because he was supposed to be the conservative guy, and he's not. He's not your friend. He, he was supposed to be this uh, rock-solid chief justice appointed by George W. Bush that well, same, was going was to keep us on track. Same with the, the recent appointees, um, Kavanaugh and um, what's her name? Uh, Coney Barrett. Yeah. And they've almost immediately capitulated. They side with the statists when it's appropriate, when, when they need them. Right. The the Roe v. Wade thing, like like we were saying earlier, the the who, why, why now is is super interesting here because it doesn't outlaw abortion. All it does is turn the issue back to the states, which means that most states, well, half of the states, you know, the red versus the blue, or the Republican versus the Democrat, or whatever you want to call it, the pretty much half of the states, the ones on the seaboards, are going to allow it, and they're going to be able to allow it even under more egregious terms, more openly, partial birth or all the way up until birth or after birth. I mean, that's not an abortion. You're not aborting a pregnancy if you carry a baby and deliver it. Right. That's called 
murder. Right. I mean, there's how can you call that abortion if you have a baby that's outside of the womb that you kill? Well, they'll figure out a way. Well, they already are calling it that. Yeah, they call just it saying. partial birth. Or, but partial birth is I, th- I thought partial birth was where they uh, brought the baby out partially and collapsed the head right. so that they could get the kid out without hurting, without causing the mother any discomfort. Right. Because I don't know. I, because there are situations that, that that have been discussed where they're, they're they say, well, uh, so the the discussion goes something like this. Well, and these are politicians saying. Well, you you take the baby, you put it somewhere where it's comfortable, which means it's alive. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to, they don't call it a baby; they'll call it a fetus or something like that. This mm-hmm. is a this is a living, breathing human that's outside of the womb. They put it where it's comfortable, and then we discuss it. Right. Usually, that comfortable place is just a garbage can or a bucket. Yeah, but the I think we're skipping the when, when we're talking about the <clears> baby being comfortable we're skipping the point here that it's alive it's outside of the womb it's viable right and they're discussing whether it lives or dies right no that of course that's happened so now you have now you have the rights uh, uh, clearly the, the, there's just different there's different um standards that could potentially be applied and the one they settled on in the 70s that was that if a fetus could survive outside of the womb uh, and that's why they arrived at the the certain number of weeks you know, between 14 and 22 or 26 or mm-hmm. something like that, that you can't have an abortion after that because the baby could live by itself. And, and so they're saying, if, if it can live by itself, then it must be human. Right. So it has rights. The baby, because the big question is, what about the rights? Th- this is the part that the, the pro-abortion people don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about the idea that there's a new human here, a new member of mankind, a woman or a man that potentially woman or man, whatever they get assigned by the doctor. Yeah. Whatever they choose when they're four years old at the hands of their uh, elementary school teachers. Sometimes the doctors assign the gender wrong. <laughs> so they, whatever this person, what, what, you know, they, when we can say they're a person, they have the right, the, the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think and that, so that's what that's the problem is that traditionally up until the 70s and this is what Alito argues in the leaked opinion he's like look this this is, wasn't a question until the 70s everybody knew that this is that this is a living breathing being son or daughter of god here that you're going to kill and you've got and when you've got a human life it's special so we've got to try to keep that respect the sanctity of life and the rights of that new person that you've created by voluntarily having intercourse. That's why rape and incest, well, rape particularly has been always on the, on the borderline because it's like, Hey, the woman didn't agree to do this. And sure. But even, even then, then you still have a human being. You've got a human being that didn't agree to any of this either. Right. And right there, there's, I think that if we did some research, we meaning, people, not necessarily me or you, you'd find that there are a lot of people who, who were the, the product of rape, who grew up to live really productive lives. And look, this is through adoption and through other things. There's a, if I'm getting my facts straight, there's a woman that just won an election and she stood up and said, you know, I, 
my mom was raped. I'm a product of rape. You know, I think that's her term. Huh. <clears throat> and, and she's lived a great life and is a productive citizen and all of that. Now, I'm not saying well, look, throughout I, history, what, what this I'm has saying been a difficult is that issue. It's, a, it's a life and we should, we should be a society that does everything in their power and our power individually and collectively to, to celebrate and to uh, save, save lives, to right. promote life. Simultaneously saying that, I want to acknowledge that unwanted pregnancies has been an issue since the beginning of time. And there's a plenty of literature and discussion about how women have, you know, fallen down the stairs or jumped off of a, you know, cliff, tried to, tried to lose the babies. Uh, during the first industrial revolution, babies were often left on, um, you know, garbage heaps or whatever. Mm-hmm. There, there were plenty, there've been, there've been plenty, <laughs> There's, there's always been unwanted pregnancies. That's that's a fact of life. That's there. There are a lot of other problems in society that we could work on to try to mitigate the reality of unwanted pregnancies because they they do happen and people make mistakes. And some mistakes are higher stakes. Some mistakes carry higher weight, right? If you uh, get married. If you're a young person and you get married, and this this is always uh, this has been another problem is bad marriages, right? So, like for many, 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 many millennia, once you got married, it was kind of like game over. We're sorry, we don't do the divorce thing, right? The Catholic Church, uh, the Mormon Church, highly discourages it and has for a long time, and it hasn't been until recently that society has sort of accepted the fact that hey, we're not going to force these bad marriages to continue and if probably many of you have family members that have have had divorces later in life where you look back and you go hey maybe they really should have divorced earlier and it might have been better for both of them whatever right so marriage is one of those types of things that carries similar weight or stigma however that that separation doesn't if if it's done early enough, you know, there aren't any kids involved, right? But if if you get if you get pregnant or or you get your wife pregnant or your spouse pregnant, that is a whole different category of things. That's that's <laughs> you've now crossed a different line. Getting married is one thing, but having children is a different thing. It's natural in human history to for men and women to connect and have children. That's, a, that's the pattern. That's the thing that we do that perpetuates the species. And families have traditionally been structured in certain ways that, main, that keep, keeps a cyclical uh, pattern going in our society. And in some cases, uh, s- certain types of cultures have really good marital relationships traditionally others have difficult ones you know it's that cultures develop differently you know there's there's different ways that this that this works out you can have good marriages and bad marriages but pregnancies are a different thing you know and it's a it's a voluntary interaction between men and women generally and it has consequences and the consequences are that you're bringing a new being onto the playing field and so if you care about your rights, 
you care about you you being your your will being respected and your life being respected it is perhaps the ultimate hypocrisy to go out and say that because you engaged in that uh activity that you now get to make the decision for for what who you brought into the world right. meaning to take them out of the world the woman i referred to is <clears throat> her name's Kathy Barnett just as a, just to close that loop this is the yeah she's, potential she's a leaker she's a candidate for senate Oh, no, this is the person who no, this was is born the, into the world via rape. Yeah, she says, this is her pinned tweet. I am the byproduct of rape. My mother was 11 when I was conceived. In the world, the left desires I would never have been born. We need leaders with a steady hand to direct our nation through these difficult discussions. I don't know much about her. She's been getting a lot of, I think she might have won a primary or something. She's been getting, I've been seeing her a lot in my timeline. People are retweeting and liking mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the woman well, I was is, referring to. It is a difficult discussion. It's a very difficult discussion. You, I was just, as, as I'm going through that, I'm really struggling for the words. But the point is, you have a new human life here. Well, my point and is that, always it's not been, a contractual relationship between the husband and the wife at the point that they bring right, a and, new life into the world. And I think that we should always do our best to err on the side of life. Err on the side of life. We should, we should do everything in our power to bring more life into the world. Now that, and I think if you zoom out, there's a concerted effort to de-personalize uh, all of us, to, to make us into just, um, <clears throat> into like Numbers. Gen- genderless, faceless entities. And they want less of those. The Malthusians, right? The people like Bill Gates and... <laughs> People that, you know, in the tradition he's carrying on, I say Malthusian because it was, uh, I think it was Malthus, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Who, uh, not originally, but it was a big proponent of depopulation. They, Thomas Robert Malthus. They want less of us. They want fewer people on the planet. They want only certain people on the planet. Certain people that think and act like they do. This is, uh, you know, that Rainbow Six plot. Right. If you look at what Wikipedia, Malthusian, Malthusianism is the idea that population growth is potentially exponential while the growth of food supply or other resources is linear, which right there is a debate in and of itself. Sure. Okay. Because pop, food supply and other resources are exploited by people. Right. Okay? The people. Well, well and let's people, remember right now the, the world population is seven point something billion and fewer people are starving than ever before now the pandemic disruptions <clears throat> deliberate the deliberate pandemic disrupt, disruptions may may have changed that because a lot of people now are thrust back into starvation people that were kind of on the edge but oh and the and the the best is yet to come right right as more of that happens and more shortages but all in all, there is less hunger in the world. There's more clean water. There's less disease. There's all of these things that are happening, which shouldn't happen <clears throat> with the number of people on the planet, according to, you know, the the doomsayers, the the black pilled environmentalists who think that we are a scourge on the planet, and only the enlightened few should inhabit some utopian world. 
But I think it's all part of a larger campaign to destroy the nature of the human being. Even for is 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 a simple thing as the mask. The mask covers our face. Right? We're made in the image of God. The image of God. And I think our face, <laughs> our eyes, our smiles, those are things that are unique to each of us that reflect our own personalities and kind of the light in us. So things from masks to abortions to this gender dysphoria and this idea that gender is can be picked and it's it's all denying our <clears throat> our divine individual uh, nature per, per, nature yeah it's 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 taking this idea that we're children of God and erasing it and saying we're just accidents of biology right you're just a number in a in a machine you're you're a cog in a machine you're a number on a on a ledger we used to talk about a lot in our <clears throat> in our uh, religious culture about like the, the family, right? The nuclear family. And we still do. I'm not saying we don't, but we used to talk a lot about Satan's war on the family and trying how he was trying to destroy the nuclear family. I think he's mostly succeeded in that. And so now the war is moving to the individuals, a war on fatherhood, a war on motherhood, a war on manhood and womanhood, and a war just on you. On, on each of us and who we, <clears throat> who we are as individuals. And I think it's, um, it's working. It's, it's working in certain circles anyway. Well, it's clearly, <clears throat> it's clearly been kicked into high gear by the oligarchy, by the propaganda outlets. The, I, I learned a new phrase over the weekend reading an article, the Micmat the military, industrial, congressional, academic, think tank. There, there was another M in there. <laughs> Medical, academic, think tank complex or something. Yeah. Mick Matt, I believe, was the, the term. Well, yeah. The, 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 we've, we've talked about the, how institutions, the institutions that for, for a long time, decades, if not centuries, century or more in this country and really throughout the world enjoyed a great deal of trust and respect like medicine and education or academics, um, government, uh, religion have all turned against the people. Like everywhere you look, every established institution is an enemy of the people. The media is, is, is in there, you know, the free press, so-called free press. So if we can sum it up with Micmac, Micmac Paddywhack, give the dog a bone. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that's, that's all right. So, okay, we talked about who. Did we, get in, did we start to get into the why? Did we get sidetracked? Well, we got sidetracked, <clears throat> but that's the big question, the why. And that's why I brought up the whole recitation of <clears throat> Mormon's comments and the, and the demise of the Nephites, how... Mm-hmm. How could we expect God would stay his hand? Let's see, he says, How can we expect that God will stay his hand in judgment against us? Behold, my heart cries, Woe unto this people, come out in judgment, God, and hide their sins and wickedness and abominations from before thy face. That's, I mean, Mormon's basically saying, Hey, it's gotten so bad that I'm, I'm on board with you coming back, coming out and wiping the slate clean, even if I am in the room. I mean, he was in the room. Mm-hmm. And 
that kind of happened. I mean, well, they got the Nephites and dis- the Lamanites. Their society was destroyed, and the, and the Lamanites just dwindled into what whatever. Right. I think they just bled into the surrounding cultures. Yeah. So, which we should totally talk about the whole uh, Book of Mormon thing one time. But the, the whole Book of Mormon thing? Yeah. Like all 538 pages? Why not? Yeah. We, it might be multiple episodes. <laughs> so w- w- the question is why? Why would they do it? And you, you put forth the idea that, well, it's just to try to bolster the base during the midterm elections, right? Because they want to get more people out to vote, which you, I don't think they need to. Because the, I watched over the weekend uh, the movie 2,000 Mules, which is a documentary by Dinesh D'Souza. Mm-hmm. And that's <clears throat> compelling... Like, everyone listening, you should probably, I mean, I'll put a link up to it on BitChute. It's a low-quality, maybe a pirated version. I don't know. It was on BitChute. But if, you, if you're willing, go support these guys. I mean, they, they deserve your money. These guys, there, there's an organization called True the Vote that D'Souza was working with. And they basically, I think, <laughs> I think they put put it to rest the idea that there was widespread fraud during the 2020 election. It's, I I don't know how you can watch this and come away with any other understanding other than that voting in America is pointless. And I haven't seen it yet. That uh, statists will stuff the ballot boxes through very, very, um, deliberate and hard to prove means except that these guys have proven it in a way they wouldn't have expected meaning they have they have them on what they've done because see ballot uh, a lot of a lot of the initial discussion about the 2020 election was that they electronically manipulated the vote counts right like they turned off the voting at two in the morning and then all these votes show up and you had um the my pillow guy what's his name um oh geez <clears throat> liddell uh mike yeah it's mike something <clears throat> but yeah while you're looking that up uh, i remember watching the coverage live the the election returns and simultaneously mike liddell simultaneously several states shut shut down their counts and and trump was looking like he was about to win he was up in all those states yeah i don't think nevada i think nevada's polls had just closed there wasn't any numbers yet on that but like uh michigan wisconsin all the swing states there were four states that really mattered I mean, if I'm remembering right, I think Trump had a 20-point lead with like 85% of the vote counted in Pennsylvania. Normally, they would have long ago called the state for Trump in that situation. Yeah. He but they had been losing, telling... He ends up losing that state. He, he was leading in all mm-hmm. of these states. Yeah. And he ends up losing all of and them. And remember, the media set the stage. They said, look, we're not going to know who wins tonight. They're going to... Yeah, they but, said but with the stage ma- with days. mail-in with mail-in ballots though they should have had them in advance and should have ha- been able to count them right then right and they never stop ca- they never stop counting ballots um, 
in the middle of the night. They can count all the way through the night. Yeah, right. I've, I've, we've, I've never seen that before. Yeah, this is this is very. There's all kinds of crazy things that happened here, but the uh, there was a lot of initial uh, discussion about what might have where the corruption might have been occurring and whether it was large enough to have influenced the election. And uh, Donald Trump, in one of the debates, they asked Biden and Trump whether the election was going to be secure. And, and Trump says, no, ha- ha- heavens no. It's uh, with all these mail-in ballots, it's, it's going to be terrible. And he was right. And if if you come out and talk about the the election, they'll they'll immediately start to attack you, assassinate your character, or whatever. It's it's been an issue that I think most people want it put to bed. Even a lot of conservatives, so called conservatives out there, they don't want to talk about it. the The members of Congress don't want to talk about it. Ever since the January sixth setup, which is beginning to look more and more like a, a provoked setup, there it's not in vogue to question the outcome of the election. Yeah, I think a lot of these selfish, coward, cowardly politicians, politicians on the right. know that it's career suicide to bring any of that they up. Basically, anymore. no, if they bring it up right now, they're not going to get any media help during the midterm no, election. No, they'll be dismissed as a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Peddling disinformation, well, anyway, dangerous disinformation. You you can go out and watch the trailer. You can go out and watch people talking about two thousand mules, or you can go watch the the movie. I, I recommend you watch the movie. But the point is that for uh, we using what we call forensic analysis, I guess the True the Vote organization purchased cell phone pings. Okay, they 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 went and bought. In, in the key battleground areas, the places that decided the election, they went and purchased cell phone pings, which means this is exactly what law enforcement does when they want to determine who was in a certain area when a shooting occurred. Okay, They've used this in court to track people down, figure out who they are, then they go talk to them, and they become a person of interest, and they find more evidence, and, and then they then they are able to to uh, file an indictment and, and put them in jail and, and take them to, take them to trial, right? Well, the the thing is that using the technology, the geolocation data, if you have a cell phone like the one I have right next to me, they basically know where you are and they have elevation, time, and longitude latitude. So if this weren't a cave that we were in with no cell phone reception, the authorities would know exactly where I am right now, and they would know that you and your computer and your cell phone are well. If your computer can, if is this a computer that ha, this looks like an iPad? It's an it, iPad. Does it have uh, uh, access to the cell networks, or is it just a Wi-Fi one? Just Wi-Fi. Okay, so the, anything that has access to the cell networks, they'd be able to get this type of cell phone data on on it. Relatedly. Relatedly, <clears throat> sure, that's a word. Canada, if you're a Canadian listener, you were tracked during the pandemic by your government using cell phone data to find out if you were compliant with the wise and thoughtful government policies. And I'm certain we were here in the U.S. too. Well, you you can buy this. There there are like something like three hundred thousand apps out there. Many, well, maybe I'm getting the numbers wrong. They they said that there's. 
I think they're, they're saying there's 300,000 apps total and that there are many, many, like thousands upon thousands that actually track your geolocation data and then they aggregate it. They sell it to aggregators who use it for commercial purposes, which is why right. when you're in a store, they can kind of... But the ones that you can buy and stuff are anonymous, right? You're just seeing right. traffic, like you're not seeing, oh, this was Jordan Bruno's phone. Right. They get, you get four pieces of data if right. you buy it commercially. You get the latitude, longitude, the elevation, and the time. The government. The date, the time and the date. The government sees your name and all of that. Right. To unmask it, they, they store that, but to unmask it, they need a court order, right? right. It, that unmasking means that they go out and they get the court to say, yes, Verizon, you need to tell us who this data belongs to. But buying the data, the big, the big corporations want to know the data so that they can advertise to your device. Right. They, they, they build a profile based on what you've done on the device, on the apps, where you have checked the box on the end user license agreement that says they can do all this to you. Right. Okay? So you've agreed to this by checking that box. Uh, didn't we see in one of the Catherine Fitz interviews that she said that they'd done a study on how long it would take to read all of the EL... EULAs that you right. agree to, it'd be, it would be like like twenty percent of your life would be spent reading that mm -hmm. stuff if you actually read all the legalese that you had agreed to on those applications. Right. So it's I don't know if it's twenty percent, but it was it was a high percentage of your life. Not <laughs> a lot. It was more than like five. The answer is nobody does. Nobody it. reads it. Yeah, Whether nobody, it's you sign those things when you get software, when you buy an app. When you uh, log onto a website, that's in a some legal cases. agreement. You're, you're right. agreeing to. Uh, we're all agreeing to things that we have no idea. It's like it's like Congress signing into law laws that they've never read, like the mm -hmm. Obamacare law, which mm -hmm. was eight feet tall if you stacked it up, printed it all out, and and uh, stacked up the paper. They they signed they they signed off on it before they knew what was in it. And we still don't know what's in it, but. Uh, Anyway, the, this 2,000 Mules is a very, very compelling documentary because what they did was they, they talked to professionals who monitor elections in other countries, a guy who has like 40 years of experience watching elections, right, and finding election frog, frogs, frog, fraud, finding election fraud, and they gave some examples of like congressional races in America that had been overturned recently. We're talking in the last few years, one in North, uh, North Carolina, North or South Carolina, I think is one they highlight that was a congressional race that was overturned in 2018 because of fraud. And they, they said, here's how it's normally done. And it's normally done through what they call ballot harvesting. <clears throat> Okay, that's where somebody takes ballots for people that have either moved or poor people that, that uh, are kind of coerced into voting for the right person or uh, people that are dead. So these are ballots of voters that are on the rolls. So it's almost a perfect crime because once you, once you stuff these in the box and once they get separated from your signature, which is on the envelope, there's no way to trace it back and see who, who or what, which ballots were, were bad or whatever. Or you only get these evidences like finding out your, your mother-in-law voted, but she's been institutionalized and she's in a coma and she couldn't have voted. Or some guy that's dead or, or you get a letter to your house of six people that lived there previously and then their ballots show up or something like that. There's, there's just these, these sort of circumstantial evidences that this goes on. 
well this these professionals that watch these elections they uh, <clears throat> they they know what goes on they know in other countries they know in america how it works they've found uh documented fraud in american elections and they've overturned elections so they've they've seen this happen right so they go out and say, if we're going to figure out what happened here, here's, here's the way we do it. So they bought the cell phone data for, you know, like October through November through, through, uh, through the election in, in the four swing states, Nevada, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. That's five states. I think it was Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, not Nevada. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona was where they bought the data. At least this is what they highlighted in the film. And... They in Georgia they bought the data going all the way through the runoff election, so they could see if it was happening during that that runoff election, which decided the fate of the Senate, whether it was going to be majority Republican or Democrat. Well, what the first thing they do is they they looked at the geolocation data that they had purchased for those areas, like they they bought trillions trillions of cell phone pings for just those four areas. They got. He called it a petabyte of data. That's, that's like a thousand terabytes, something like that. It's huge. And uh, they had all this data that they were algorithmically sifting through. And what are they looking for? They're looking for people who had visited the ballot drop boxes. Now, ballot drop boxes were a new phenomenon for this election. There were non-governmental or charitable organizations that paid money to install these drop boxes. This is where Mark Zuckerberg's $471 million donation went to. It was to try to get these drop boxes installed. See, this is a, you have to, you have to set the foundation and show that there was a plan that was concocted and that involved having ballot drop boxes and then you can harvest ballots and dump a whole ton into the system without anybody really knowing. So the, all the pieces of the puzzle needed to be in place before the election so that it could be affected in this in this way and D'Souza lays it all out and the, and the lady from True the Vote and the guy that she works with they lay it all out very 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 convincingly and they're like look we got the cell phone pings when you have a guy that goes to 23 different drop boxes remember they're just out of the way over a certain period of time oh and he visits 5 because their criteria was they had to be one, considered one of their 2,000 mules, which was, is just the tip of the iceberg. The guy, the, the, they had to have a device, so you, you've got a unique ID on your phone. And um, so your device had to visit a certain number of ballot drop boxes, which these are, it's not like these are at Walmart. These are in out of the way areas like at city hall or some public building, a library somewhere. You had to visit these in a certain period of time and also have visited five of the charities. These are, these are essentially Democrat run charities that are, they call them stash houses. They said it looks a lot like drug trafficking. In fact, they used some of their data to help solve a murder case in uh, one of the states that they were in. <laughs> so this is, this is very relevant. So, so uh, these mules had visited 10 drop boxes and five of the NGOs, and they, they were able to draw this out on a map visually. They don't do this for every case, but for the movie, they, they show you how, okay, it creates a pattern of life, and 
some guy in a in a very short period of time, and usually they're it's in the middle of the night. These people are visiting the ballot boxes, and they're stuffing the ballots. Well, to top it all off, they were able through freedom of information request to get video surveillance, <laughs> and so they have them on camera. And this, it's amazing. It they they have documented how it's easily feasible that the Democrats invented millions of votes uh, for sure enough to swing the elections in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Michigan. And all you needed was Georgia and Pennsylvania or Arizona and Pennsylvania. You didn't need all Mm -hmm. of them. You just needed a, a couple of them. And Trump should have been the president. So everybody who's been castigated, everybody who's been uh, shouted down for saying what their gut was telling them that the that the election was tampered with. You have been vindicate, vindicated by this documentary, Two Thousand Mules, and everybody should watch it. Everybody should see it because it, we, it's it's appalling. We have no affiliation with Two Thousand Mules. <laughs> we are not being paid to say this. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen a lot of people saying exactly what you're saying. Got to watch this. Got to watch this. So I'm going to take some time and watch it. But I brought that up because the question, this goes back to the Roe versus Wade thing, right? We're speculating that they, that they did this to influence the midterm elections. If you're going to harvest ballots, you can only harvest so much. Is the country really 50-50 Republican-Democrat? Or... Uh, and and I hate to use Republican Democrat. I want to say statist slash mm-hmm. constitutionalist or statist slash freedom loving American. You know, somebody that's waking up because there are they did they did point out that they've been able to find voter fraud in Republican races, but they also admitted in the documentary. And then of course these are quote unquote conservatives or Republicans that are that are um doing these documentaries. But they did, they did say, look, it's pretty obviously a Democrat thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's not like the person in charge of making sure that elections here locally, for example, uh, run smoothly and, and legitimately. It's not like that person is also a candidate for the, one of the offices. That, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> you might want to explain that. <clears throat> You've, we've talked about it before, but... Well, in, in the state of Utah, there's no secretary of state. Right, it's the lieutenant governor that presides over the election. And what's yeah. the biggest race in Utah? White. <laughs> what's the biggest political <laughs> contest uh, in the, Utah? The, the governor's race. Okay, so would it make sense to have the lieutenant governor running for governor presiding over the election? No, but that would never happen, right? <laughs> well, okay. So that I, it, I bring it, up the it, whole. It did happen. If you've been listening it's to happened this happened multiple length, times. If you've been listening to this lengthy discussion on two thousand mules, you and, and that and this that's the tip of the iceberg. We're we're not we haven't even gotten into the electronic voting machines and stuff like that. But if you've been watching or listening to this, this is all a big question: as did the did the leaker or whoever do it because they wanted to uh was it was it just emotional it's possible it was just emotional maybe it was this woman that you were talking about Mm -hmm. uh but did they do it because they wanted to influence the midterm elections that's one of the big theories if it was they need to influence the the midterm elections i think if it was 
if it was a, a law clerk like the one we described, it's really possible it was just an emotional kind of spur of the moment thing to do. Uh, it's also possible, though, that somebody uh, put the idea in this person's head or said, hey, when you see this, you need to leak it. Here's the, con- here's the contact we've arranged. Now, I, th- I think the, the regardless, though, the, so name one piece of good news for Joe Biden. Right, right. Like everything's a mess, right? They're even joking about it at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, right? Things are looking up for you, President Biden. Inflation's up. Costs are up. You know, all the taxes anger, are up. Anger, anger is up. And it's, they, of course, laugh. Tension is up. Ha, ha, oh, the dirty masses and their plight. But it, it's safe to say that it's not been a, a slam dunk presidency for Joe Biden here a year and a half in. It's like the worst. It's, and that's why I'm saying, it, are, we to, are we to this point where this... The media is is somehow convincing us. They're somehow they've somehow pulled the wool over like half of America's eyes because I think I think it's fading fast here. I think the illusion is fading fast. Is it possible they only represent about ten to twenty percent of the country? Yes, less than that. The media less than that. Yeah, like uh, Catherine Fitz was saying, and I linked to her latest interview uh, a week or two ago. She was saying that they're. And they, and they spend a lot of money on this and time on it. They're, they ex, they think that vaccine rates, vaccination rates in in America are like fifty percent, not seventy percent. I mean, they're overstating the the statistic to try to get you to succumb well, to peer pressure. And Spencer, people are not. Spencer Cox succumbing. did that here in Utah and then had to walk it back. Um, I, he well, was, is, it, is it possible that this woman has to leak? the uh this incendiary issue out there to try to get women out to the and and maybe men whoever uh, leftists it could people, be people who want abortion out to the to the polls this fall because they can't invent that many ballots they they because the election is already suspect this fall's election is well they in can question already they can yeah it could be part of it it could also be just hey let's make this uh, upcoming election season about abortion and not about inflation. the not about the economy basically and i i don't know the timing seems like it would have been i guess they had to leak it before the decision was announced well here's here's another theory as to why they might have leaked it is it possible that th- they, it's just inevitable that they're going to lose the House or the Senate. They're not going to lose the presidency yet. But right now they control all three houses of Congress. Is this an attempt to end the filibuster? The filibuster has been something, you know, wh- well, whether you like... It could be. Or it's that and also an opportunity to expand and pack the court. Well, but the filibuster is the thing that's sort of been holding back the wave of all the crazy progressive liberal, mm-hmm. Ill, illiberal statist stuff that's going on. You know, like total infringement against the Second Amendment, um, total medical tyranny, whatever. You've got the filibuster in the Senate is at least protecting some level of sanity. And is Roe versus Wade a big enough thing that the Democrats go, yeah, I think we're going to have to... Uh, suspend the filibuster now. Uh, now we're just gonna we're gonna play total majority rule. You know, two wolves eating all the sheep. 
Maybe, but they use it to their advantage as well all the time. Who? The Democrats, when it suits them. When they're in a position to filibuster, they do it too. Yeah. But so, if they have control and if they can, if they can, uh, if they, if they think that they could, the election, if they think they could somehow gain permanent control, then yeah. that's the thing is we're, are we to the point where one side has de facto control enough that they can switch well, the laws? Yes. And it's not Democrat or Republican side. It's the status oligarchical side that really controls everything. Right. Because they can get Mitt Romney to do whatever they want him to do. Well, because that's because he's a man of and principle. Then the guy, the the lady from Maine, right? Collins is that mm-hmm. her name? Susan. There's a couple Collins. of senators. There's a couple of Republican senators that. There's the Alaskan one. They'll just go along with it. Yeah. Because they're people of principle. Oh wait. Never mind. Right, Marx's principles. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I still have the idea in the back of my mind that there won't even be an election, that there'll be some crises this summer or fall that, uh, that justifies in their minds the suspending of the election. But I'm a nut job, so. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of, if, if it's all planned out and, and there's no need to involve at, the people at some in point, this. At some point, there's the next step, right? We had the the pandemic is pretty well moved on from people's lives. There's a few people that can't move on, you know, but for the most part, people are have they're shifting their focus now to oh my gosh, the economy is disaster. My dollar is only buying sixty cents of what it did last year, or whatever, right? So maybe uh, I think you're going to see this summer of of riots and fires and police cars overturned along with uh, the, you know, the creation of more outrage, the more anger, more confusion. And how they're going to do that, I don't know. I don't think Roe v. Wade being overturned is enough. It might be a, sort of a spark. Well, if it, is you, the, you have, if it is the equivalent of taking away the Second Amendment for the, you have, yeah, for the I, rest I, of us. But I really don't think there's enough people in America that are that passionate about it abortion that they're going to go out uh it's not gonna i don't think it's going to rile you, you up remember the, ukraine the, on fire though you remember ukraine on fire yeah yeah the, everybody's like hey what where did all these people come from yeah they, they that, can go like, find their activists they can go find their paid activists but it who will like turn that was over another the thing. cars these, and these, light them on fire these ballot harvesting mules they also compared them their cell phone pings to the riots that were going on mm-hmm. at the same time and about two third or one third of them, the people that were, you know, dropping off at ballot boxes. And, and in a lot of cases they were dropping off, not just at 10 ballot boxes, but like on average 50 ballot boxes. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were participating in the riots. Right. These are paid Democrat operatives. Yeah, it's AstroTurf. But there's only so many of those too, right? I think yeah, but how, it doesn't take that many to, especially well, if, you, if you can keep convince the mainstream to keep quiet. Like it, it, you don't yeah. want to be seen as a, as a, an insensitive prick. It doesn't Bobby take, Flood. it doesn't take that many. I mean, we had, we had a fiery riot here in, in Salt Lake city, right? Remember that when we the had somebody shot in Provo, right? And that we, but remember then the car, the, the police car was lit on fire down the, in downtown Salt Lake. The media on scene was making it look like a big deal, but then they, 
I don't know if it was an accident or not. They cut to an aerial shot and there's like 50 people there. It wasn't a huge thing. But there was... Yeah, but that's Salt Lake. Right, right. And you're right. So you're right. It doesn't take a lot of people to create sort of a media frenzy. You know, the media is going to make it look bigger. But, but those riots last year didn't move the American people. The average American wasn't like going out there and throwing rocks through, you know, Baskin Robbins windows and things like that. It was, it was a small fringe group. What I'm saying is that that is easy to manufacture. What's not easy to manufacture is like a widespread movement that, that gets normal people off the couch. What you can do to get normal people off the couch is take away their money and make it really hard for them to live day so to day. So you think this is, uh, this is an attempt to divert attention from the real riot? I don't know. I, honestly, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of sitting back and watching all of this going. It's just I think, one thing after another. You have, I think, related, you have like Lindsey Graham out there saying, we have to take out Putin. We have to destroy Russia, basically. The idea of a peace treaty or a negotiation of like, hey, Putin, hey, Zelensky, how about these terms and let's stop this is off the table. It's like regime change. It's like annihilation. You have senators like Lindsey Graham and others. Oh, yeah, they want a war pretty bad. In America are really saying bad. this stuff. And so that you have that on the table. You have the economy. You have this Roe v. Wade stuff. You I have the Roe underlying sort of background of, of COVID, people saying, oh, it's going to come again. The, the, the U.S. is asking for more money well, we're, for the fall wave. We're really, <laughs> we're really catastrophists. We're, we're watching the signs of the times. We're, we're into the apocalypse and stuff like that, right? You and I both. We, we come from a certain perspective, a Mormon, uh, what we'd call a, a, a Mormon perspective, a, sure. a Joseph Smith perspective, that the end time, we're, we're latter day or last days types of people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I think the statement in Moroni chapter nine is so significant. Why would God stay his hand? I, I think that a lot of the, the uh, destruction and the suffering will be brought upon us by our own hubris as a society. It's our own hubris that causes it. But I think that we get to the point where God can't stay his hand because those things, those prophecies ha have, you know, been around for a long time that he's, he's going to pour out his sermons upon us. <clears throat> but I think that the people also cause their own suffering in a lot of ways, but, but to get to the point where we, through our own stupidity, <laughs> inf invite the wrath of God, I think, you know, I could see two ways that the Roe v. Wade thing um, devolves into that type of a scenario. Because sure, it's bad. Sure, yeah, there's there's been this abortion going on in America, but it wasn't like we voted for it, right? Mm -hmm. It was the Supreme Court edict, and there's been a battle, a struggle between the people and and the government, right? And the government has generally appeared to, at least in a, in a broad way, have reflected the the, the voice of the people. But now you, you've got this, if they repeal it, if they, if they overturn Roe versus Wade, it goes back to the states. And then you've got the potential for real regional wrath of God style stuff going on because, you know, that, that could be one of the outcomes is that, okay, there is no, uh, on its face, it's just what it is. It's, it's that the Supreme Court justices overturn it and 
than California, New York, and all these states that say, okay, well, yeah, we, we get to decide what abortion is, and yeah, you can do it up to 21 days after the baby was born, right? And then everybody that wants to have an abortion goes to those states, mm-hmm. and then what happens in those states? They become living hell holes because, I mean, you, you just can't get away with doing that for very long, mm-hmm. I don't think, before really God does pour out his wrath upon you. Because, I mean, the, the, the children are the most innocent. They, they are the... Yeah, but at the same definition time, I mean, of I mean, it's been 50 years. Yeah, but you see Roe what I'm saying? Like, it was, it's, and that's been pretty. Right, but you abysmal. see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's, not, it's not as o- overt. Like, the people sure. in California are like, yeah, bring it on. A majority, a, a literal, uh, an actual majority, as opposed to how these ideas have been foisted upon the rest of the country. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, that would be interesting to know if there is a, a, an actual majority. In California, that wants abortion, I think so. Look at how their state is run. It's no, hardly any. Yeah, there's hardly any Republicans in statewide offices. The whole place has I mean, there, been. There's still some pretty conservative parts of California. I mean, they're disappearing. I think I haven't looked at the numbers or the demographics, but well, isn't it more of an economic conservatism, like the? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That that that's an interesting. It would be an interesting thing because I think. Generally speaking, I think women are more pro-life than men. I mean, for obvious reasons, w- women carry the child. But it seems like there's mostly women out at these anti-abortion rallies. Yeah, but I, I don't. Those are not a reflection of normal people. Have you seen these people? Yeah, it's scary. They're not the people you you don't bump into these types of people at the grocery store. No, they live in California. <laughs> Even in California, well, the people in California that are not like that, they're leaving. I think a lot of these people are almost like, like, like we've talked about, they're astroturfed. And I think they're even their appearances, the signs they're given to hold up are just caricatures. They're cartoons. Yes, there are people out there that are like this. Have you ever been to like, seriously. have you ever been to a University of Utah graduation ceremony? No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not smart enough to graduate from that well, university. Neither was I, but I've been to <laughs> a commencement ceremony there. Yeah, but again, that's a very small sample size of impressionable young people at a liberal well, I, statist enclave. I understand, but it's it's a growing movement. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. They have people convinced that, you know, I can't comment on what a woman is, is actually rational for a Supreme Court justice. I mean... <laughs> I guess we're going to find out over the next... I mean, uh, if, you, see, if, the other, if we had said in two, if, if we were doing this in 2019 and we said, do you think that if just because the news and the government told everybody to wear masks, everybody would do it? I probably would have said, no, 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 no. Enough people have common sense that they would not do that. And I would have been wrong. <laughs> I would have been very, very wrong. The problem is if, if they're able to convince people to follow that, these... Uh, illiberal norms these these well they're not norms these absurdities absurdities yeah so the the other possibility is if getting back to roe versus wade because you i could see it regionally disintegrating the country by by having just massive swings you know you go from utah to california just two states away and you've got this anti-abortion enclave and a we kill we're willing to kill our children at 21 days Mm -hmm. type of a place That'd create a weird dynamic. Well, I, but, it could, it could, it could, this decision could 
tear the country apart. It could cause the civil war that you've talked about, or the war between the states. Well, it would be that would sort of be a war between the states at that point, rather right. than a civil war, because. But it would like, create, like you said. I don't think so, even though Salt Lake City styles itself as a very liberal, um, stronghold, you, stronghold, yeah, uh, oasis in mm-hmm. the West. You know, like in in, in the state of Utah, uh, Salt Lake. It's it's like Austin in Texas. People mm-hmm. I was down in Texas recently, and people from Austin like to say they're from Austin and everybody else is from Texas and everybody knows it, that the, mm-hmm. that the state capital is where the, all the, where, where all the corruption mm-hmm. is. And so you you could have an uprising in Texas and Utah, but you can't in California because it's mm-hmm. endemic. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere in the state. So that could balkanize the United States. We could, it could tear us apart, but it's also possible that if they end the filibuster and and codify Roe versus Wade as a democratic um, ideal here in the United States, because that's what the the leaked opinion is saying. Look, it's it's the voice of the people that needs to to take care of this issue, not the Supreme Court. That is a possibility that it would be it would become a nationwide norm based on a congress a U.S. congressional act, and then if that's the case, where does God pour out His wrath? Upon the people of the United States or upon the structure that holds the people of the United States together? Both. Both? I mean, I think when his wrath comes, it's not going to be real discriminatory. It's just going to be wrath. I mean, he might start more subtly with some systemic things. I don't know, but... (laughs) Well, I don't know. Stand in holy places, right? Yeah. Where are those places now? we, 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 Those of us that claim to believe we ought to hope for some level of salvation well i, I think how do you define that right so being saved from the temporal calamities right right or, or taken out early before <laughs> right before it really gets bad getting uh we i i used to laugh at some of the the rapture um t-shirts and stuff i would find at christian stores and things yeah. like guys getting zoomed into the air while everyone else was on the ground uh, I've seen some, some funny videos and pictures and things, but that'd be great. <laughs> Just well, get mean, zapped up up into the sky and translated, and not have to deal with any of it. But it seems to me to me more and more <laughs> that maybe having to deal with it is one of the reasons we're all here, and how we deal with it. And we you know, we had a discussion in church yesterday that was really kind of neither here nor there, about being, you know, nice and not being confrontational. And in a way, I sort of succumbed because I wasn't confrontational, but I wanted to say, but when is it appropriate to be confrontational? When, when is it appropriate to tell the truth regardless if it offends somebody? Does it, do we ever get to that point? I think in a large scale, we're getting to that point. We need to start telling truth. You, you, didn't, you didn't ask if Joseph Smith was nice instead of confrontational. You didn't ask if Jesus I, was nice I instead had, of I, confrontational. I came in late you because I was chance. fulfilling some of my duties. Right. <laughs> duties to the financial arm. So I came in late and didn't get the full like background. and I didn't want to just come in and start spouting. I can do that here. Right. <laughs> but right, like at some point... 
is the truth worth being confrontational over? And my answer is obviously. Of course it is. Yes. No, I agree. Uh, and, and I think that uh, we have inside of us this desire, you and I at least, to discuss things like what, what's it going to take to make a good society? What, what's, what do we need to do? What can people do to weather the storm so that we can have a positive society? One that's, one that's moving towards Zion instead of running <laughs> pell-mell, helter-skelter away from it. Right. Right? We know the old hymn. Oh, Babylon, oh, Babylon, we bid thee hello. Hello. <laughs> We're coming to you now because you're safe and effective. <laughs> Something like that. <clears throat> this is funny. We got a comment from uh, one of the lady listeners who we had talked called about. Out. <laughs> we had called out who didn't like our singing. She says, Sing it, Jordan. So I'll replace Jordan with Bobby there. Sing it, Bobby. I take back my, parentheses, slight and occasional rolled eyeballs. <laughs> Don't be reading the lyrics on my account. <laughs> the feedback I wish the informant would have shared was how great we think the podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> the informant. Yeah, I read uh, that. And thanks for your comment. Yeah, thank you for your comment, Red Vine. And she asked a question that was really interesting, by the way, um, about lawmakers considering passing a bill to hurt educational freedom in Utah, taking away the ability to, to homeschool. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of talk about that, but that's that's what's going on is right now this control mechanism or this control grid seems to be closing in on us to try to limit our ability to do exactly what you just brought up. Is it is it now speak now or forever hold your peace territory? Is, yeah, I hadn't heard of that either that she brought up, but it's worth maybe looking into. We might into. need to do some research. If you have any, if you have any uh, sources for us, please post those in the comments or send them over. But we, we might already be past that speak now or, who, how, or forever hold your peace, but I still think it's important to speak. <clears throat> Just get, your, get yourself on the record, right? Whatever record that is. Well, you know, they talk about the courts on high, and you don't want to be the guy that's up there saying, well, yeah, I just, I didn't really say anything. I, I didn't mean, want to say anything because I didn't want to be criticized. I didn't want anybody to, more, to punch me or to tell me I'm anti this or that. Right. Moroni and Nephi make comments like this. They say, we're going to see each other at the judgment bar of God, and you, and I won't be able to sugarcoat it at that point. I'm going to have to to testify that I said these things to you. And you'll know that I'm not lying at that point. We had a speaker yesterday. Yesterday was Mother's Day. Yes, it was. Speaker in sacrament meeting stood up and said, the bishop asked me to speak today on the divine nature of womanhood, but I can't do that because I'm not a biologist. And then he sat down. He sat down. <laughs> no, I'm just, that obviously did not happen. But I think if you were asked to speak, it, it might have happened. But it would have been incredible had it happened. <laughs> oh wow but right like there's so much absurdity like the the nature of womanhood is an interesting topic it's a great topic we've gone off on that even though we're neither of us are biologists and we're both cis white i'm a lay, I'm a lay cis, biologist cis? i'm a man you've heard that term i'm a cis white male or i'm a cisgender what is cis that's a your sister no it's c-i-s cis I don't care. <laughs> I don't know what. I've, I've I mean, seen that. I, I think it refers to like straight, like 
But I don't we know where al- it came from. We can't from. allow I these people. I think cis has to do with scission. It's probably some something uh, related to binary uh, word that uh, is indicating two. But look, we can't we can't allow them to change the rules on us. That's the problem with them changing the language. Denoting or relating to a molecular structure in which two particular atoms or groups lie on the same side of a given plane in, in the molecule. In particular, denoting an isomer in which substitution substituents at opposite ends of carbon carbon double bond are on the same side of the bond. The cis isomer of still being. That's the dictionary on. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means in regards to. Well, sounds, uh, well, I don't know what any of those words. It mean. sounds kind of like uh, XX and XY. Isn't that women have Here's two X chromosomes and men have a Y chromosome? Cisgender, according to Wikipedia, cisgender describes a person whose gender identity and sex assigned at birth are the same. <laughs> the word cisgender is the antonym of transgender. The prefix cis is not an acronym or abbreviation of another word. It is derived from the Latin meaning on this side of. Coined in 1994, cisgender began to be added to dictionaries in 2015 as real changes in the way gender is conceived in popular Western discourse. Like I said, we got to fight against and speak out against these absurdities. Here's the first thing on Google. The main difference between XX and XY chromosomes is that XX chromosomes are the chromosomes in females, whereas XY chromosomes are the chromosomes in males. Sounds pretty scientific, Bobby. I'm not. Not a biologist. I I didn't get a I didn't get an honorary doctorate of science from the University of Michigan like uh, Dr. Fauci did. I thought it was very funny that they awarded him this with this just this doctorate of science. What kind of science? Just science. <laughs> just science. Well, he is the science. Yeah, you don't question the science. Why did they give him a degree? <clears throat> they should have just awarded him a plaque that said, I am, you know, you are science. Mm, yeah, well. Mm. I don't know why. Those honorary degrees have always kind of been odd to me. If you want to honor somebody at your university because they paid a lot of money or they're a prestigious alumni or something, can't you just bring them up and just say, we we love you, we appreciate you, here's a Snickers? Like, you can't hang a Snickers bar. I guess you could hang a Snickers bar on your wall. I received this Snickers bar from give Michigan them a cer- State you can, you can University give them a on this date. You can give them like a, hey, you, you were the student of the year. Well, it's not as good as being called a PhD. You know, get if you get an honorary doctorate, then you can ro- walk around saying you're a PhD. Yeah, I guess you can. Well, speaking of absurdities, we probably should wrap this up. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, we've we've been through uh, Tom Clancy, Roe versus Wade, two thousand mules, and uh, church yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good summary. That's a good summary, yeah. I, you know, we need one more comment. Yeah, there's 19 comments. There's 19 comments on episode 72. We need one more comment, and then we can do another preparedness episode and go through and dissect 
what we think you were talking about on your, your comments. I reserve the right to not dissect some of those comments. Sure, that's fine. There was a lot of <laughs> co- condom discussion. Can we even say that in a family program? Yes. That's the technical term, right? Yes. Uh, so we'll have to treat that with some discretion when we get to it, but... I'm looking forward to another preparedness-oriented episode where we get into your ideas and we formulate on air a t-shirt idea. By the way, speaking of preparedness and stuff, the last like three days, the stock market is collapsing again. Bitcoin's collapsing too. It's down to 31,000 a coin. I think everything's collapsing right in front of our eyes. There's baby, baby formula shortages, shortages. Shortage of powdered eggs and eggs. Yeah, I read somewhere that uh, 50 million chickens were euthanized because of the bird flu. That's a lot of kids. Who verified that? Was this like, did they take PCR tests? What did they swab their nasal cavities? I don't know how they test for that. I think that uh, the way they manage the chickens is kind of how they want to manage humanity. It's like, oh, did we get a sick bird over here? Let's get the whole, let's kill the whole flock. Yeah, yeah, kill them all. That's why you get so many. Like Star Wars. Kill them. Kill them all. This is one of the later Star Wars. Yeah, it's uh I think I don't remember. That who was Kylo Ren. It, no, it's no, the guy, Anakin. It's when Anakin's Anakin? turning into Darth Vader and he kills the younglings. Oh really? Kills a bunch of kids. So the Emperor says kill them all. I can't remember who says it. Palpatine. Probably. I don't remember if Anakin says that. I think he says, I killed them. I killed them all. Oh yeah. That sounded like Hayden Christensen. That's pretty good. Do that again. I killed them. I killed them all. <laughs> that was a different voice. <laughs> that was no, your first one is pretty, it's pretty close to Hayden Christensen. I killed them. I killed them all. Uh, first yeah. time is better. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we have permission from the Red Vine to go ahead and do voices and songs again. I, we killed, sing a song them. To- I killed them all. I killed them all. <laughs> they all they all killed. Anakin, hey. All right, everybody. We're gonna, I'm going to stop this now or I'm going to end up going off for another half an hour just quoting random movie lines in random voices, a la Robin Williams, Look, to bring this, us all the way back. Yeah, Robin Williams. <laughs> this, this episode was set up specifically so that Bobby could do his voices. <laughs> we, this is a pretty heavy episode. I mean... The stuff going on out there is dramatic, epic. It, it's uh, <laughs> clearly there's an existential battle between truth and evil. It's playing out in our uh, institutions, in our um, our local circles, our families and friends. I, I, Yesterday's Mother's Day, we were at, uh, talking to some family, and one of my acquaintances related the fact that in his priesthood meeting yesterday, there was a uh, fellow who just got up and said, Brethren, we are all men, and we will always be men. And uh, this person that related the story to me lamented that that was strange, that that was said, and that it was one of the few places where it was said with confidence and and not to be refuted. Yeah. And uh, but it, but it's evidence. So I bring it up because it's evidence that 
there's an info war going on and there's there's a legitimate conflict that that some guy had to get up in a meeting of men and say it and there were probably men in the audience who disagreed with what he said there might have been men who took offense right but they didn't speak up because you know as you learned yesterday it was important to be nice and not contradict yeah but clearly clearly there is a, an epic battle going on and you the listener are caught in it as we like to say often here you are either the hero or the heroine of your epic story and it's interesting how all of our stories are interrelated we're we're all part of a bigger macro cosmic story and surely surely we are reaching the end of the script right here so uh we are. And Kudos to you if you're still in the game. We are, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Shirley. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, congratulations on being selected to play a, a role here in this late stage of the, of the episode. And I hope that you will genuinely seek for and listen for the, the uh, influence and advice of, of your heavenly parents. And, and I hope that you'll help other people understand not just, you know, I am a child of God primary level, but how significant it is that we are, uh, as humanity beings of a divine nature with the potential to become glorious and fiery beings who are, are trapped here, blinded by the world that has been pulled over our eyes, not remembering who we really are, and and so there's this there's a significant balance uh, a fine line to be walked as you seek for truth as you try to understand truth and you try to share truth with these other entities here and because I think it's our our interactions with other people that define us in the eternities and if we can do that with grace but still be ambassadors for truth and and no there's that song you know no one to hold them no one to fold them. I won't sing it for you, Redvine. <laughs> know when to walk away. Kenny Rogers. And know when to run, right? you you, you got to sh- use some discernment there, but uh, figure that out between you and God, and uh, good luck, You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. I think you're singing a different song. That's all I know, and I don't even know it that well. It goes like this. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing is done. Do the beatbox. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We really hope that this is uh, interesting to you and that you'll share the podcast and, more importantly, share the truth. On a train bound from nowhere, met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life. Out of reading people's faces Knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes
So if you don't mind my saying, I can see you're out of basics for a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bombed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression. Said if you're gonna play the game, boy, you gotta learn to play it right. You got to know. 